Welcome to Grace New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Pastor Randy is teaching on seasons. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, 18 through 39, as we continue on in our series, Revival. Let's listen now. Uh, Jenna's here. Jenna, before, um, we'll just, if, actually, can you stay up here and help me? Do y'all know Jenna? Jenna is our, Jenna is the stage manager. She keeps us all on time. She's also Josh's wife. And, and listen, the wife of a youth pastor needs a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. And, and she just does it amazingly. And she just does it with such grace and dignity. But, but I, I want you to step here and I want you to help me because I want to talk to you about the candles a little bit. Okay. But first of all, look in your grace notes, couple things. If you're a visitor, Please fill out your visitor card. We'll talk about that at the end of the service. And if you got a prayer request, fill these prayer requests out. And we've been doing a new thing. We want to be a church of prayer. Amen. Amen. And, and I'm going to do that again, all right? Okay, because we sounded like frozen chosen there, okay? All right. We want to be a church of prayer. Amen. There you go. So what we've been doing different is some of our prayer team and our small group leaders have just been going to the edges at the end of the service. And they're just dropping these in a box. We want you to be prayed for in the time, in the, this morning. Because if God's putting that on your heart, then we want you to be prayed for. So, so fill out your prayer cards. Fill out your visitor cards. We have a lovely gift for you. We will not send you uh, religious paraphernalia in the mail. Um, one, one thing that I want to tell you about an announcement, if you look on the front of your uh, grace notes there, is Friendsgiving. Uh, next week, Young Marrieds and Youngish are going to do this right after the service. If you're basically 35 and under, Kids, no kids, married, not married. Uh, seniors in high school even, we're inviting you guys. We've, we are going to do our youngish gathering, youngish and young marrieds gathering. We've got, it's a, it's a potluck. Uh, we're providing the meat and the bread and the drinks, and it's going to be in the student room. And then, and then here's the other thing that's going to be really cool about this. We're doing some Thanksgiving trivia and stuff, but then we're going to do Old Testament questions with Victor Hamilton, because Victor Hamilton Mr. Old Testament is going to be here, and we're going to do Q&A with him. So it's going to be a great time. Um, it's, it's all the fun of Thanksgiving without the lime jello with the cottage cheese in it. What, is the, what do you call the lime jello with the cottage cheese? What is that? Gross. Gross. <laughs> Listen, mom, if you can hear me from heaven, yours was good, okay? But everybody else, it's the texture, isn't it? It's just the flavor and the texture. So... I want to talk a little bit about seasons, Jenna. Okay, are, are you a candle person? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so this candle right here, okay, this one, okay, and you, you know what, what is that? Pumpkin. It's the pumpkin. Because seasons have candles, right? Okay, this one is the, this is the season that makes the most sense because it smells like the food. I, I don't know why, it would just not be right to have a pumpkin latte in April. There would just be something wrong with that. But, but it's like, I don't think it's the food that gets us fat in the wintertime. I think it's the candles. Because every place you go into, it smells like that. Now, okay, so this one, now I don't have a winter candle, but when you think of winter candles, what do you think of? Christmas trees. Christmas trees. So like, like now, here's the hack. Just go cut some rosemary and put it around your house. It smells exactly the same. But like the Christmas candle. But then you get to spring, and it's, it's, it's a little tougher what, what's the name? Of, what's the name of that that women's store? It starts with an A. They sell um, 
Anthropology, yeah. What's that candle they have? Volcano. Do you guys know this candle? Is that your favorite candle? It's an amazing candle. That the candle, and Ralph Lauren has a candle. Somebody gave us one once, like as a housewarming gift, and I like went online to, it was like $180 for a candle, okay? And then like we, we, we forgot to put it out one night. We lost like 80 bucks, you know? And just like, can, I mean, but the, that candle's very similar. The Ralph Lauren candle, and I hear realtors use the Ralph Lauren candle uh, in houses. It just smells so good. So that, that, that candle's amazing. So that's kind of spring. Um, okay, when you smell this, what do you think of? You can't smell this one? Moss and stone. Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> Fragrant notes of lemon zest, geranium leather, and vetiver. What is vetiver? I hope that's not a bad word. All right. It, so, so it's like, this one is like, this one... Well, I'm going to tell you, so Anita came in the office the other day. Let me see. Is it this one or this one? Let me see. Yeah. Okay. She came in the other day and she goes, so I'm burning this one. She goes, can you smell that one? Yeah. You're getting past still the COVID thing. Yeah. You had the COVID thing. Yeah. Okay. This, she goes, that smells like old spice. I said, I never wore old spice. Okay. So like, how do you know what that smells like? And then, and then, and then. Then this one, she goes, she goes, I, that candle smells so bad. Did you get it that time? Well, a little bit. I don't know what it smells like. She goes, it good. smells like Dracar. <laughs> and I said, I wore Dracar when we were dating. You didn't mind it then, okay? All right. Thank you, Jenna. All right. Thank you. Give, give Jenna a big hand. So, so open your Bibles up to the book of Romans chapter 8. I want to talk to you about seasons, this seasons of pain, seasons of process, and then seasons of promise. I'm going to go pretty quick. It's a, it's a, it's a huge pas uh, passage, lots of stuff. If you need a Bible, put your hand up. We'll put a Bible in your hand. You're going to want a Bible. It won't make sense if you don't have a Bible. Um, so, so I just, and, and normally I have you stand, but I'm going to just read through this whole passage. He says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. The first thing that happens here is basically, this is like, it's like a scale. And on the one side is suffering, and on the other side is glory. That, that he says, listen, I, I know that both of these things are in your life. It, no, you don't have to say what it is. Anybody going through suffering right now at some level, physical suffering? I, I know in the last month, I, I've had physical pain, a lot of physical pain. And, and man, when you have chronic, when you can't sleep from pain, Life is different. Yeah, yeah. What? Sometimes you, it's the pain, it's the pain, the physical pain. Sometimes it's the emotional pain. Something that somebody's done to you, or or maybe you did, and you can't make it right. Or maybe maybe it's job, or maybe it's medical. It's a it, you don't feel bad, but 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 you know there's something going on. And those things, and they keep you awake. Or you've got a business, and you don't know what the future is, or or any of, or your kids are in rebellion and 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 you grieve for them and and you want for them or maybe you're just afraid for the future or those kind of things that the these seasons of suffering and he says there's no comparison here it's not worth comparing this is what he's saying whatever you're going through right now it is not even worth comparing to the glory 
So what's the glory? We're gonna get to that before we're done here today. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Second hour, I get to dedicate two of my grandkids. We had some for first hour, but apparently the flu is really going around right now. Um, and, and the flu struck first hour here, uh, baby dedication. We'll, 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 do a, we'll do a makeup at first hour, okay? That's what we'll do. But when, when I'm around Sarah and Daniel's wife, Katie, they just love to go, hey, do you wanna see, you wanna see Maverick? Do, do, do you, wanna, you wanna see Ellie? And they'll go, Ellie, here's your grandpa. Maverick, here's your grandpa. And they just look at me, you know, they see Anita, then they start smiling, you know, but, but that's okay. It's this, there's this creation in conflict. There's this, look at, look at what he says here. Uh, it's childbirth as a metaphor. The creation was subjected, verse 20, to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That verse is a little bit hard to understand at first reading, but this is what he's saying, is that creation is not going to work the way it's supposed to work because they want there to be this revealing of something, this revealing of but there's a purpose for, for the futility that's going on. Watch this, verse 21. There's a connection here with verse 20, that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption. And look at this, obtain the freedom, here's that word again, the glory, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. This is what he's saying. There is suffering, but there is glory. Glory is literally the mass. It means the, 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 most, the, the most specific word is the mass, the weight. It's what's seen. It's the reality. It's, glory is, is that, that almost unseeable part of God. It's the goodness of God. It's the love of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the mass of God. It's the reality of God. How do you know something is real if it has what? If it has mass. That's, that's what this is. And he says, there's this glory and, and what God is doing in your life is the evidence of his reality in this world. And creation is in futility versus the reality. And I know this is a little hard to understand. You may need to go home and think about this. Honestly, I spent the entire week thinking about this. And finally, it just kind of clicked to me at about 5.53 this morning. This is... Maybe it seems like you're in this place of suffering. And he says, but, but remember there's glory. And what you're going through right now is of no weight in comparison to the glory. And on the day that I get to dedicate my grandkids, because we've been through it, there's no comparison to the glory. If you've been there, can I get an amen? Not everybody can do it yet. Because some of you guys are still in the midst of the suffering. You're still in the midst of it. And there are prayers that aren't answered the way we wish. And there are pains that don't seem to die. And there are heartaches that we go through They're blessings. We don't see it in the moment because it's the glory. But it's, it's like this. He says, for we know the whole creation is groaning together 
in the pains, verse 22, of childbirth until now. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, teenagers, if you ever wonder if your mama loves you, she does. I know there's this big debate about can a man have a child? The answer is no. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I ain't got nothing for that. And, and you, you carry this child, and some, some women love pregnancy. My wife did not. I'm not going to ask a poll here on that question. But, but it's like the agony of that, and then that baby's born. And they lay that baby on your chest, and you hear its cry, and you smell its breath, and all of a sudden, all of that agony makes sense. And God says, it's going to be like that one day. But we're not there yet. It's the now and the not yet. Look at, look at what, it, what he says in 23. It's of the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits. It's like the first harvest. The first harvest is usually not the best harvest, by the way. The first fruits are usually not even, it's that first fruits, but, but it's not, it's, 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 the way it reads is it's, it's not really fully ripe yet. There's a fruit there, but it's not really ripe yet. It's like, it's like strawberries, but it's not, you know, like strawberries, like strawberries can be like kind of plain or strawberries are like candy. Watermelon's the same way. You know, you can have watermelon and it's okay, but then there's that watermelon and it's like, oh, wow. Especially if you put a little salt on it. There's a little Southern hack for you. It's that first fruit of the spirit. Grown, remember that word. That's, now look at this. The creation is groaning. That's us. We're groaning. Now watch this. As we eagerly await for the adoption as sons. Wait, I thought we were adopted. I thought this is what Sheba talked about. We are, but, but, but we don't fully live in it yet. The papers have been signed, but, but, but we haven't fully lived into this yet. The redemption of our bodies, that one day everything will be made right and we'll all be 23 again because that was as good as it was. For in this hope, we have been saved. That, that word saved, it, it's sozo. Again, it, it's, it's like a first fruit. It's, you, you've been saved, but you're not fully living in it yet. It's good, but you're not fully there yet. It, the redemption has begun, but you're not fully there yet. It, it's, it's like you're, you're in the jungle and the chopper comes and they come and they get you and they put you on the chopper, but you're not back at the hotel at the resort yet. It, it's the, pro, it, the saving has happened, but we're not done yet. And that's what he's saying here. Listen, listen, you're in this place and it's not all done yet. It, it's the now and it's the not yet. I was in Teddy Roosevelt's church on Thursday. Grace Capital City is trying to buy that church over 100 years old, gorgeous stained glass. Go to my Facebook page. I, I need your help because Facebook like knocked my, is it algorithm? Yeah, my algorithm down. So go to my page and like, like all that stuff. I need the, I need the help right now. Because <laughs> Brian Lash was on my page and he said something, all right, about the unborn and then like they, they tanked me. So he said I got canceled. So that's okay. Brian, if I get canceled because of you, I'm okay with that. All right, so. But go to my page and I, and I it, it's all, it's all um, there, and, but, I was, but I was in Teddy's church, and, and I found this big stick, and I'm like, now I know. Now this, this was Teddy's big stick. Just an amazing, his giving record was in there. I did not look, all right? 
but like his, his, the, his, in the hymnal, the giving record was in the back of the hymnal. And it said his hymnal and giving record. And, and it's all there. And there's, there's all kinds of amazing Teddy Roosevelt. It says like on the third pew back there, right there where you are, Frank, it's Fred, Teddy Roosevelt, 1901, 1909. You should get you a plaque and put it on a chair there, right? Some of y'all do sit in the same place every week. I, I see that. Some of y'all move around. Y'all move around. Patterson's move around. I see that. You guys are over there a lot, but now you're over here trying to mess with me, aren't you? Yeah, I see you. But, but, I was, but we were there in, in Teddy's church, and it reminded me of a story. Some of you guys have heard this. There was a missionary at the turn of the century, and he, he, was, he was in Africa, and he found out he had cancer, and he came home to die. He gets to New York City, and, and he's coming off the gangplank, and just discouraged and depressed and and sad, he left his ministry, and he's with his wife, and he loves his wife, and he's coming home to die, and he's walking down the gangplank, and, there's a, and they, he looks down there, and there's, there's a band playing, and a big sign that says, welcome home, and he thinks it's him, and then he looks across on another gangplank, here comes Teddy Roosevelt. Holy Spirit whispered to him, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. It's the now and the not yet. And maybe you're in that season, and when you're in that season, we have a helper. Likewise, look at this, verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. Remember in 23, we were the one groaning, but now the Holy Spirit's groaning with groans too deep for words. You ever been in that place with somebody? There's just nothing to be said. There's just nothing to be said. You walk into a home. There's nothing to be said. You just cry with people. You just groan with people. And when, when, the, when the pain is too deep, even for the why, it's just the groaning. But here's the good news. It, it says that we have this helper John 14, 26, you can look this up later. It, it says that he is our helper, helper. the word, it's paraclete. The, the one, it, it, we, we get the, the, the words, it comes along with that, with the paraplegic. It, it's something that comes alongside you and, and helps you move. He literally helps you move. He's the paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside and helps you in the midst of it when you don't even have words. That's, what, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. It's... It's the spirit that's groaning. It's too deep for words, verse 27. And he who searches our hearts, watch this, knows it is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Put an exclamation point over that. It's a really important thing. It is the Holy Spirit that is praying, interceding for you. Remember that. When you don't even have the words, when the words are, 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 just fail you, I will say this on a really practical level. When, when you don't have the words, but you just stand with people and you cry with them, you might get to speak to them later on. This, this week, Anita and I just ran into a bunch of our old youth group kids. It's like everywhere we went, we ran into youth group kids. We went out to eat a couple times and we ran into youth group kids and, and, and I had a couple of them text me and, and one of them texted me. I hadn't talked to this kid. I mean, this kid was in my youth group 30 years ago. And he said, I just need to hear your voice. 
You, when you cry with people, they'll listen to your voice. There's a message for us there in this text. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He groans with us. He, he weeps with us. He mourns with us. He expresses those things that are deeper than we can even begin to express. And then we get to this, this place, this verse, that's, that's an amazing verse. For we know this, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. A lot of, there's several different translations of that. This is a good one. But I do want to, I do want to, point out one really specific thing here in the way it reads in the Greek. It's not that all the stuff works for good. The most important word in verse 28 is not the good, it's God. That's the most important word. The most important word is not that it all, that it all becomes good, it's that God is working. That's the most important part of it. Don't, don't miss that. Listen, you're going to be in a place, you're going to go, this ain't good. No, this is not good. And you, you hear somebody, some prosperity speaker, no, this is good. And you're like, no, this is not good. <laughs> Anton, last week, we were talking about the church in, in uh, Ukraine. And I said, tell me about the churches. And he goes, well, you know, he goes, church is doing well. He goes, all except the prosperity churches. Those are all gone. There's no prosperity message when, you, you know, you ain't getting a new Mercedes Benz when the Russians are coming to your town. It's that, it's that it's not about the good, it's about the God who's working in the midst of this. There is, there is this incredible action that's taking place here. And now one of the most controversial passages of Scripture. We're going to jump right in. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I want to make a couple of points here that are real important. There, any commas that are, in, that are in this passage have been put in extra biblically. Watch where you put your commas, even in your mind. Watch this. For those who he foreknew, that word foreknew is used five times outside of this passage. Whenever it talks about it in regards to us, it's about an awareness. It's that God is aware of us, that he knows who we are. There's one passage where it's talking about that this is not, this is not this is a prophecy, and the one place where it is a prophecy is in Acts 2.23, and in Acts 2.23, I, I, I wanna read this for you, because in Acts 2.23, this is what it says. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The only place where that word foreknowledge is other than the awareness of that I know you, I know who you are, I know what's going on about you, I know what's going on in your life. The only place where it's about prophecy is when God is prophesying about his son. 
translation here. This is not one, the context is not one of prophecy, it's one of promise, that he knows you. Now, we can talk about election and choice and free will all day long, but this much we know, God knows us. He knows us. That's, that's the overwhelming sense here. And then look at the word predestined. And those he predestined. Predestined for what? When I, I, I have that just in my, you know that song, Turn Down for What? <laughs> predestined for what? It says it. What, what did he predestine us to? To be what? Conformed to the image of his son. You know what that means? That when, when he knows you, he ain't done with you. He's conforming you. It's like there's this Jesus mold. And he's pushing me into that Jesus mold to conform me to, man, there's a lot of Randy he's got to cut off. That ain't fun. That is not fun. I do not enjoy having Randy taken off. I like Randy being around. But he's like, no, I'm going to conform you. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to remove all this. I'm actually going to take it. I'm going to put it in the places that it needs to be. I'm going to conform you to the image of Jesus. And maybe when I get as old as Mr. Lamar back there, you're 95. How old? Just 90. I gave you five more years, didn't I? He's a great driver, by the way. We go to Waffle House together, and he's a great driver. And he encourages the waitresses. What is it you always say to him? You say, you say I want to ask you to do one thing. You just keep smiling the way you're smiling. You say that all the time. Yeah? A Waffle House? There you go. To be conformed. Listen, that, that's what being conformed to the image of Christ looks like. You know, you know angry people that are 90? I know a few angry 90-year-olds. They ain't nothing like that. Conform to the image of Christ, that, that he's got this mold and he's putting us in it, and he's con that's, that's the predestined. We're predestined for that point. Then he says this. He says that, that we're called. He says we're called, we're justified. Those whom he justified, look at this, he also glorified. There comes that word again, glorification. That, that he wants the world to see him through us. But before he does that, we got to be conformed to that image. And that conforming to that image is not a lot of fun. But that's what the predestination is. We're called to that. We got a purpose. And I love that he says this because... The, there's, a, there's a Latin word called ordo salutis, the order of salvation. It seems like the justification, the taking away of sin, would happen way earlier, but I, and I think it does, but this is what he's saying. He just wants you to know this. He just wants you to know you're forgiven. How many of y'all, you've walked with Jesus a long time, but sometimes you forget that? I do. You, you, you've, you've known him a long time, and then you forget. You just forget. He justified. He glorified. Now look at this. We're getting ready to land it here. Sometimes people call me and say, Pastor, I got a word from the Lord for the church. 
He's like, all right, this is what we do. We, we have you come talk to our elders, share that with the elders, and if that's from the Lord, they'll share that, and it takes the whole personality piece out of it. But I got a word from the Lord for you this morning. This is direct from God. It's Romans 8, 31. This is a word from the Lord. What shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? That's the word from the Lord for you. If God's for us, who can be against us? It doesn't say there isn't people against us. Again, it's that whole scale thing again. It's like the suffering and the glory. Yeah, it's real. There are people against. Listen, there, if you don't know this, there are people against you. There are definitely people against you. If you don't know it, they are definitely like, thank you, pastor. What an encouraging word today. <laughs> there are people definitely against you. God ain't one of them. He is for us. We sang it like 50 times, and I love we could sing it 52 times. You can't sing it enough. He is for us. It, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Listen, he has your back. He has, it's that sense. It, it literally, it's that he's coming behind you. Again, that song. He is coming behind you. He has your back. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That word charge, by the way, doesn't just mean charge. It means condemnation. It means conviction. It means execution. It's that strong of a word. Who dares tell you your life is not worth anything? That's what it reads in the Greek. Who is to condemn? Question mark. Look at this. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised. Now watch this. Here's your other, remember I told you to put an exclamation point in verse 27, put one right here. More than that, he is at the right hand of God who is interceding for us. Get this, you've got groanings. The Holy Spirit is praying inside of you to Jesus who's speaking to the Father. Listen, Jesus can translate groanings. Jesus can translate groanings. Jesus knows the voice of the Spirit and can communicate that to the Father. Take heart in that at 2 a.m. Take heart in that when you're going through things that don't make any sense. Take heart in that. I love this. So what can separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes through just about every form of trouble. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. That's poverty, danger, or sword. I love this. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. We should put verse 36 on a t-shirt and not 37. Like an image of a sheep being slaughtered. More than conquerors. For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. It's not about what's going on around you. It's about who is inside of you. 
It's about what he is doing. You can put that on a t-shirt. April 9th, 1945, they take Diedrich Bonhoeffer to the gallows. He said, if I'm, he was in, he had, he was in the U.S. At Union Seminary and he said, if I'm going to be there for the reconstruction, I got to be there through the pain. He went back to Germany. He fought against the Nazis, got put in prison because of it, wound up in a, in a concentration camp. They, they took him out on April 9th to execute him. There was a guard there. He said, I've never watched someone meet death the way he did. He knelt, he prayed in total dignity. And today, we know the place of the madness of Adolf Hitler, and we know the words of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, which still are, I, I'm doing my, my doctoral work right now on discipleship. It's still, the, some of the key books on what discipleship is, is Bonhoeffer's books. The glory is greater than the suffering. 1959, Sybil Jordan Hampton was the only black girl at her school in Little Rock, Arkansas in the 10th grade. She went to class every day with a National Guard soldier walking with her every day. Through the cursing of classmates, they only let her talk one time all day, every day, when they read scripture. There's an irony in that. But you know, you know the scripture that she got assigned to read? Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up, up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of heaven and earth. Maybe you are in a rough season. Listen to this. Would you, guys, would you guys stand? I just, I just want to read this over you. Verse 38. This is the promise. For I'm sure that neither death nor life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth or anything else in all creation will to separate us. Listen to this. From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, church. Amen. You can clap to that. We were, we were up in North Carolina, and I woke up early one morning. I was working on my paper, and I'd, and I'd wake up at 8 o'clock. And I got up this one morning, and I looked across, and there's this hill. I, I've got a picture just to kind of illustrate it. It's of mountains and snow, but this isn't the the picture that I saw, but it, but it was, there was this, there's this hillside, this, this mountain, and it's just covered in reds, covered in reds, reds and yellows and, and, and browns, and it's gorgeous. And in front of me is this smaller hillside that was covered in frost, so frosty, it looked like snow. And the thought hit me, listen, if, if fall doesn't have a spring, it's death. Those leaves are withering. If there wasn't a spring that was coming, this is bad. But there's a spring coming. If not much grows in the wintertime, if everything was winter, we would die. You can't grow all the things you need 
But we need that wintertime season. We need that wintertime season. It kills the bugs. Not enough roaches in Georgia, but it kills the bugs. And it prepares the ground and the snowfall on the mountains is that gentle, that melting, constant source of, of, rain, of water that comes down and waters the crops. You need the seasons, but listen, if there is no spring, winter is death. If there is no spring, fall is dying. I don't know what you call summer. Well, that's when we harvest, I guess, isn't it? I was in my office this morning and I saw this little book. I hadn't planned on doing this, but it, it sits on a shelf in my office and I, my eye was just drawn to it. Anita gave me this on Father's Day of 1995. A Father's Day I got to celebrate with two, not three kids. And my first Father's Day without my dad. And it's filled with pictures of my dad holding me up when I'm a little boy. Little, little captions. Here he is. The, here's my dad, all six foot two, 210 pound cop. And my nieces had dressed him up with earrings and lipstick and, and jewelry. And he let them do it. And she says, I hope these pictures bring a smile to your face. But these are memories we don't want to forget. Maybe you're in a season right now that's beautiful. Maybe it's springtime and it's beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah if it is for you. Good. Enjoy that season. If you're in winter right now, I promise you there'll be a spring. I promise you there'll be a spring, church. There will be a spring. And you may not even fully see it in this place. But there will be a spring. Jesus, I pray in your name right now for anybody in this place that's in a place of fall that seems like all that they hope for is, is going away. Or maybe it's winter and maybe it's just cold and, and alone and, and it's dark more than it's light. But there'll be a spring and the glory will be so much greater than the suffering. God, I pray for those that go home to empty homes. I pray for those who have empty hearts right now. I pray for those that are sick right now. I pray for those who the relationship with the family is not what it was. Lord, I pray for those that, that are battling mental illness right now. And, and they don't want this. They don't even want to be the way they are. But this is the season. And in the midst of that season, you're still there. This is what you promised us 
Whether it's the season of groaning or whether it's the season where we step back and we go, oh, it's good. Yeah, you were in this, not because what we went through was good. What we went through was hell. But you've been there too. And it says you released the captives. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide from your eyes? I go to the wings of the morning, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. Lord Jesus, you are with us. And the spirit intercedes for us. And you understand what he says. And you speak it to the father who loves us. So Lord, even in the season where there's cries, even in the season where it's hard, we know that there will be a glory that is greater than the suffering. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.